Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie. I'm Amy. And this is Clever. Today's episode, with the inimitable Aaron Draplin, was recorded live from a podcast studio in an Airstream trailer on the show floor of Adobe Max, Adobe's annual creativity conference. Jamie couldn't be there. That's why you'll only hear me on the interview. We want to give a big thanks to Adobe Max and Airstream for including us in the conference and inspiring us to take our show on the road. Now back to Aaron. Many of you probably recognize the name. He's well-established in the realms of logo design, graphics, type, and branding. He's worked at Snowboarder Magazine, a big-time design studio, and even designed some logos for the Obama administration. But now he works for himself, having founded Draplin Design Company in 2004. Oh, and he's the guy behind those Field Notes notebooks that have such a cult following. Born in Michigan, now based in Portland, his life has been steeped in snowboarding, punk rock, a hearty constitution, a solid work ethic, continual hat wearing, and wordsmithing. He wears his strong character and integrity on his sleeve, and well, it's really easy to like him. Have a listen and see for yourself. My name is Aaron James Draplin. I'm 45 years old as of yesterday. I live in Portland, Oregon. Happy birthday! Thank you. By way of uh, northern Michigan. I'm a graphic designer by trade, um, but really the pursuits are to stay as little as possible, love it along the way, make a shit whack of money, pay a mountain in taxes, but try to dig it. Uh, I don't think it's too much to ask for. No. Aren't we lucky to be creatives, but then to like our jobs too? Graphic designers like to complain about what they do a little too much for my liking. So I'm here to champion it and say this is fun. So that's been the whole pursuit. You know, no alarm clocks along the way either. Well, all right. (laughs) I love it. We like to start by going all the way back to the beginning. You said Michigan. I'm a fellow Michigander too. Let's slap our hand maps. Right, right. So you said Ypsilanti. I'm from Ypsilanti. You? Well, northern Michigan, Traverse City, but born in Redford, which is Detroit. So as much as I was a kid of the city, we left when I was four. But I have a mom who was into Bobby Seeger, a mom who was into Motown, mm-hmm. a mom who was into the Stooges and the, you know, Stay Alive with the fucking MC5. Mm-hmm. My mom has the MC5, you know, the naughty record. She's yeah. got that. So she saw that stuff. So that's in me, too. So the idea Iggy that... Pop and the Stooges? Oh, she saw it. Yeah. So I have a cool mom. And my dad was incredible. But the idea that, like, um, that is a part of me, that Detroit is a part of me. But we went north, and then it was a real treat for us to come back to the city to go to, like, 
Tell 12 Mall. Mm-hmm. Go to, like, the merry-go-round. <laughs> I don't know what year you are, but I'm class of 91. So I was a kid in the 80s. Yeah. So 82, 85. I was down there for Tiger Games or to go school shopping or to see, you know, my modernist aunt and uncle in Southfield and then uh, my not-so-modernist rest of the family out in Milford or something. But, <laughs> okay. you, know, you know, who were, like, really warm and fun and, and like, family, my uncles and aunts and stuff. So... We were down there a whole bunch. But, you know, as I started to get older, plotting my escape. So Traverse City can start to feel a little small if you've got big dreams. Is that is that what well, happened? I mean, it, this was, it was mountains, really. We were yeah. snowboarders and skateboarders. Skateboarders in the summer and snowboarders in the winter. And okay. pizza makers all year long. And at 17 out of high school, we our sights, you know, the first wave went out in 85. The next wave went out in 88, and then it was our turn in 91, snowboarders going west, Mm. all to Breckenridge, so Summit County. When it was our shitty little turn in 93, we weren't going to go somewhere where we knew all the girls from our high school and all these dudes, you know, whatever, and very sort of incestuous, weird. We kept going to Oregon, and that was 93. Okay. So, um, yeah, it was just to get to elevation. So back up to your childhood a little bit, what was your family dynamic like you said you had a cool mom yeah. you're pretty celebratory of your dad as yeah, well of like tell us what the draft it was a cr- dynamic it was, was. A, it was a cool household there wasn't a lot of bumps and grinds you know um my dad was full of life full of bullshit funny <laughs> my mom was the sort of even keel okay. who kept that animal in line my mom was the one who probably worried a little more than my dad my dad was the fun one my mom was the kind of disciplinarian you know with us um i had two little sisters we have three of my dad would say i have three kids one of each okay um but you know uh legos pizza fridays little league baseball pretty all-american shit but little tastes and touches of modernism well, so that's what I was going to ask you is how did your creativity start to, you know, well, like marinate in there? I always like to draw. Okay. I've been drawing since I was, you know, mom tells you stories, three and four, stick figures and things. So she got me going young. I could draw my dad sleeping, you know, maybe not. You know, I, I could just draw. I, I like to draw. I like to, you know, do diagrams of war models and things because it was very technical and yeah. just this quality of like paper and pens. Out of high school, you know, based on my height, weight, face, and you know, demographic, you go go be some kind of plumber or something, you know. But I had <laughs> I had just enough, you know, with my aunts and uncles. My one uncle was, uh, um, you know, sort of an engineer, and he would go there. You see, and, in Michigan manufacturing. Uh, nah, yes, and I had seats for one of the car, you know, one, yeah. of, the, one of the guys. Okay. But they they had like Eames chairs laying around mm-hmm. or just really simple, you know, like plywood art and stuff from one of my cousins, one of their sons. But I just would see that stuff. And that was different than sort of the Victorian turn of the century. I want to say it's called arts and crafts stuff my mom and dad had, which were these old, beautiful, tuned, tooled um, oak things my dad would rescue from these rough houses mm. um, in Detroit, take back up north and then strip all the paint off. And my mom has beautiful oak hutches. The entire place is all that stuff. So we were raised around this appreciation for the old. Yeah. My dad's old signs, being respectful of um, when they tear down Olympia Stadium and what it means to legions of Red Wing fans. I was raised around that. The new isn't always better, you know, kind of thing. Right. Um, But, you know, summers with my grandma in Detroit, um, summers with my Irish grandma, Leo, pickled on Budweiser up in in Wixom. Uh, Evenings in Hamtramck. I went down. We went to Polish Kitchen a yeah. couple of times. You know, I mean, 
you know, I have these romantic, you know, notions such a stupid graph design. I'm just tired of him. The, the notion that there's big ideas of going home someday, but I don't know where I live. And I mean, we had to escape. That's really where it started. It was just getting the hell out. And getting the hell out. Well, so I wanted to talk to you about your teenage years. Yeah. Like, did you, is that when you started to feel like, started well, to plan your escape? Yeah, I think. Uh, that's when snowboarding's happening yeah, for you, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. When okay. we were kids, really what it was, it was the punk rockery or the fuckery of skateboarding and snowboarding. Yeah. Through that, we met, girls were our equals. Girls loved their own bands and stuff, too. It wasn't this bullshit where the jocks ran the roost yeah. and then these girls hung up. Fuck all them. We didn't care about them. They were the pretty people. By the way, I got news for you. 24, 27, 20, 27 years later, we won. We listened to better <laughs> bands. Yes. We got better tattoos. These stupid people in their golf shirts. Ugly kids named Michaela, McKenna, McKenna, McKenzie, McKenzie, and Riley. <laughs> Fuck them all. Anywho, I saw that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't. What do, I want to go learn about art and I want to go. I'm going to go do it. I want to, I want to, but see, it wasn't this glorious thing of like, I'm going to go be a graphic designer or even an artist. It was very trade centric. I need to make a living. So as a young kid, what skateboarding taught us was, you know, individuality, you know? Well, the punk skateboarding movement had a lot of DIY, that that ethos of like, I can do it myself and I don't need to follow the rules necessarily. I'm so glad that we were dipped in that stuff because... It showed us that you could be new wave, you could be goth, you could be hippie. We hung out with hippies, but what we were... But it showed us how to deconstruct the system. You found your path, and it was okay when we went to that party. All the good-looking kids, where were? who cares where they were at? What, studying for some SAT or some school they were going to go to? Fine. We started to think for ourselves, make our own decisions. And guys, go off the deep end. I'm pretty much straight-edge. But nothing political. Mm. Just too much work to lift the cup, <laughs> to hold it. <laughs> the forty ounce curls. That wasn't your workout. Like all the sticky stuff on these little tools and things for weed. I, I don't care. I'm saving it for someday. I just didn't give a shit because it was like I don't want my freedom to be taken away in dumbass Michigan. So I was pretty good for like if I got pulled over, I knew my rights and I could just talk to the cops and say, "You can search my car, you want? I can deliver pizzas, man. Go." That's different than some kid, you know, down in an eighth of weed, you know, trying to get it away from these guys. Mm -hmm. So that came from punk rock, too, Mm. to see that, you know, these, I don't know, minor threats, these fugazis and minor threats and stuff could have a point of view that was so much bigger than just rah, 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 punk, 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 punk. No, I got an education in how to talk about friends who are different, how to appreciate and tolerate. That came from punk rock. That did not come from my school. It came from Ian Mackay in some weird way, you know, Fugazi or something. It was, yeah, it was that angstiness that, like, the status quo needs to be better. We need to, we can tinker with the system and make it better. But you were getting ready to tell us about... The dead Kennedys, you know. Yeah, and descendants. politically charged. And it planned a seed in me to, in a healthy way, to just look at government a little sideways, just a smidge. And say, wow, you know, you got to look a little deeper than just what they're what we're fed. Right. That's the dead candies. Exactly. So. Yes. Okay. So skateboarding took you out to Portland, and this was before college. Well, two little community college years, right out of high school, seventeen and nineteen, and then I had the blessing of mom and dad. So that was enough to like let them let me go, you know, because otherwise I wanted to go at seventeen, but I just wasn't ready. But at nineteen, I had their blessing. So we had a couple grand in our pockets. We saved our money, went to Bend, Oregon. 
Mm-hmm. Portland on the weekends. See, you know, horseshit mans. Who who were people going to see in our group? They were going to see ugh, offspring. Wait, <laughs> wait for it. I was going to see the Jesus Lizard. Yeah, mm, I saw the Jesus stuff. Lizard. Yeah, yes, you did. <laughs> One of the beautiful people. I just saw him two weeks ago, 60 years old up there, dropping his drawers. Just, you know, good, clean fun. I'm so thankful, you know, that skateboarding, punk rockery got me to the indie rock. Got me to Dinosaur Jr., Sebados, the softer things, the Red House Painters. I could talk for hours just about bands, but really my heroes were the butthole surfers. My heroes were the Jesus Lizard. My heroes were the flaming fucking lips. They were these guys that had complete creative control. It wasn't about money or big or little or whatever. My heroes, they make their own art. Mm -hmm. That all comes from just going and taking your own way. So when we were out there, we were living like animals. We would buy our passes. I did a little bit of college. I had an associate's degree at this point. Okay. But we were living out west. I was 19 years old, just starting my life, and 3,000 miles from my mom and dad. It was so awesome. <laughs> and taking care of each other. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was it was great. And were you feeling sort of um, liberated and lawless at the time? Or a were little you bit. feeling like you had but a plan? But also dumb, because we get out there. I remember sure. we went to a big old Costco and loaded up on ramen and... 24 packs of Cokes and just things that stupid 20-year-olds do. Straight sugar and carbs. Mm. <laughs> and uh, we got back to the house, and we didn't even have stuff to prepare it with. You know, like, we didn't have, like, a strainer, you know, or something. I remember, like, I think we need to go buy a strainer. You know, that's cutting into your budget. Right. So all the creature comforts we had as kids, as middle class, lower middle, I don't even know. Who cares? Just yeah, regular you kids. buy your own toilet paper. Just, we had to go. So what you'd do is my buddy Chad Smith would steal it. For the record, Mount Bachelor, Chad would steal these two-foot diameter. You could, you know, let that roll go. <laughs> sit and read a paper. Check your watch before you grabbed a big wad. I'm getting a little, I'm going a little too deep, but we stole a lot of toilet paper from Mount Bachelor. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you did your skateboarding thing. I'm sorry, your snowboarding thing. Yeah, yeah. And but at some point you you worked your way back to Minneapolis yes, to go to art school. Tell me yeah. what was synergizing in your brain that made that decision happen. Where we're from. As you know, you have to go to school. Yeah. If you don't go to school, you're not this. But what about my buddies who didn't have any of that privilege, you know? I was lucky to have a mom and dad that could help me with my first two years of community college, which was two grand. You know, people talk about it these days like it's just something you just go do. I had friends who just went and started to work. They were just in the workforce out of at, at 18 years old. It's okay, you know? So I, had, I my mom and dad weren't allowed to go to school because my dad took care of my grandma. Because oh. my mom... Had a dad who passed, and he had to take care of six brothers and sisters. Oh that's their stories. Mm-hmm. And my mom was 23 at the time or something. So that's why I went, because I wanted to honor that. So that was always a hole in me. So one year out west is supposed to be one year of living you know, high on the hog on the lamb, and then we're going to go back to some school. It turned into five years you know i was going up to alaska to work and then i would go back to school you work in the fisheries no oh. no i go where the fish bite oh, okay princess tours with the old people the golden oldies because they were like you know getting them off the the planes and the big cruise ships and we would take them through the interior on this train i was a dishwasher so i did that for four summers that's how i would fund school towards the last couple summers but it was it was this incredible western adventure we were, we were snowboarding all over the west mm-hmm. on no budget we're just a bunch of rat kids collectively. It's so cool about the world. You know, one of the hardest things that we ran to when we went out west, rich kids. Rich kids, apres lifestyle. Mm. Where it's like, yeah, mom's got, I got a credit card. That was really, I still, I feel embarrassed saying that stuff, but 
it was hard because I would go up to Alaska to make my money for the next winter. Yeah. And they're down, I don't know, going to Lollapaloozas and shit. And I'm up there like washing dishes, but that's the best I could do. So I know how to suck, I'll just say. I just know how to go deal, you know? Did you feel the classism was annoying or you just couldn't relate to the entitlement? Well, when you or... get out west yeah. and you realize, oh, the snowboarding and shit. Remember, when we were back home, we would get a broom push the snow into a lane on a golf course in the dark because they you put the lights on the on the where you land someone's car you know some 1991 dodge sadness wagon or whatever whatever these guys are driving dodge sadness the dodge despair <laughs> and that would be enough for us because it wasn't about who was the best it was about just being together yeah so we get out there, and you realize you can't afford going to Jackson Hole, but what you can afford is hiking Targhee Pass on the way into Jackson Hole. That's free. If you're even allowed to go, like, even hike past those boundaries. But we, we did that. It was awesome. And got just enough of a taste. But here's the thing is, like, I started seeing friends up in Portland who had, like, degrees in mm. things. Mm-hmm. And getting jobs. And cool jobs, snowboarding jobs, like in a snowboard company that makes jackets, and he gets the other guy that makes oh, the catalogs. Yeah. Well, I want to be one of those. I need. I need to have a job. Starting to manipulate and have a, a hand in the industry now, shaping well, things. I mean, I didn't even know those things existed. So we started going to trade shows and seeing action sports. Yes, in Vegas and yeah. seeing the people do this stuff and meeting some of the characters and of course just grommets going down there to st- grommets, stickers. Well, grommets. <laughs> that word, yeah. Stickers. <laughs> And goodies, and there is a certain AMPM on Sahara in Las Vegas where I barfed my guts out high as fuck on uh, red hot schnapps. I'm not much of a drinker. I'm not much of a drinker. And I got hammered, and I just told my friends, I need to go figure this out. And I like hit three walls inside a four-wall shitter at an AMPM. So that is a, a warm memory of, of going to Vegas as kids. But we got to see it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what is the sort of common denominator of these people getting these jobs? Sure, it's nepotism, but also, no, that guy said he went to this art school. So I got oh, this hole in me. Okay. And it combined with mom and dad saying, when are you going to come back? So at 24, I went to Minneapolis. A hero was Chuck Anderson. A hero was Haley Johnson, the Sharon Werners, and uh, Todd Piper Howsworth, and just things and stuff and things and stuff around Minneapolis, and it was awesome, and I wanted to be around it, and I went to MCAD, and I got in. Mm. I couldn't afford it. I got in. I got a big-ass scholarship. That's what allowed me to go. It was 18 grand a year. It was my scholarship, and I it was 36 grand a year for school, so I had to take a big old loan, you know, 35 grand or something, but I got to go finish my last two years there and really fell for the city. At a time when, you know, out west, I don't know, you know, what was cool out in Portland in 1998, Modest Mouse or something. Mm -hmm. Like, I loved all that stuff, too. But I was going back to um, the Midwest to, like, look for the ghosts of the replacements. Right. I didn't get to see them. I wasn't old enough. So it's I was, you know, kind of messed. I saw them in Detroit once. Now I know. What year did you get out of high school? Help me here. 89. Okay. Well, that's how did you get to see them? If you just that means you're a senior and I'm just a pitiful little sophomore. But how I, did you get to? Because I made a point of it. You okay? Right. You have two more years on me, so you yeah. got to go figure it out. My friends but who you were, got to live in Minneapolis. See, my friends who were 85s, 87s, 86s. Oh, they saw them a bunch because they were like 16 going down. But I remember seeing their name in the in the paper and stuff. But we were into Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And so did Monster Magnet and bullshits and whatever it was. 
But, you know, to go there and love that stuff and love how Spartan their whole aesthetic was and how just they shot themselves in the foot. They're the kings of shooting themselves in the foot. I just wanted to be a graphic designer like that. I don't yeah. care about awards and who was the best or being accolades or whatever. I just wanted to go and be honest with it and <clears throat> just make a living. If it meant being working for a newspaper, there's not, there's not, it's not a dirty word. So I loved it back there because I got to see... I remember Paul Westerberg said once that he oh. he studied songwriting and then he decided to do everything that they told him not to do. Well, in a lot of, I mean, first of all, he's dyslexic. So he's like this, has this, you know, the wordsmith of like someone who's having a problem with that, turned it into an art form. Yeah. That's a very Paul Westerberg thing. What a hero in so many weird ways. And you know, when you get really close to him, have you met him? No. I have. Oh. And he got really close and you saw like how rough his teeth were. He's a human being at that point who's fragile as fuck, you know, and it was just like, I loved him that much more. Yeah. Because you put him on these pedestals until you really get up close and see all the warts and moles and scratches and scratches, you know. Then you can relate, too. You know, I just loved him. feel the connection. I just loved that, how uh, primal it kind of felt. So I was back there at a time, and you know, if you know about graphic arts, in the late 90s, it was all the uh, residual riffraff of like the postmodern post postmodern masturbatory just sprinkle shit in the page and slam it down and then get a grad degree over it i like the grid and okay th- that wasn't very popular and frankly it was not popular like the f- goofy replacements then because there was other things that were cool i was made fun of by <clears throat> people that <clears throat> were minneapolis people who were embarrassed by that shit and it's like i know i missed it by 10 years but those ghosts were still really beautiful to me so I just loved that when I was there. Like, I just like being around this. Well, there's something about the Midwest that I think hardens people in a be- really beautiful way. And there's something about your work, your logos, that are sort of sturdy, enduring, and they look good weather-beaten. Well, you, you know, you like- go, well, right. You go to a train yard, and you see a train come in in the snow. And the f- snow falls off the side of that metal train, and you can still see the logo. That is graphic design. And that train yard's shitty and dirty and weird, and that is absolute. It's doing its job. And it's, it's got a, a layer of brown, just you know, muck. atmospheric smog on it. Just yes. bullshit. You know, yeah. it's like now when you go two hours away and you're in, you know, middle of nowhere, uh, Wyndham, Minnesota, out of that big city, and it's just dirt farming. You see it too. A train going by a, a mile away. What we got to see in Minneapolis, besides aside from just nerding out on heroes. We got to see some pretty highfalutin stuff, too, at the Walker Art Center. See people challenge contemporary issues and excesses of graphic design. Got to be around all of it. And then I would go to a steel yard mm-hmm. for an afternoon. It would absolutely reset me because just Wally the steel guy doesn't give a shit what your degree is. Right. This is what it costs per pound of food. What do you, what are you using this shit for? Right. Well, I'm using it for some stupid art project. So it was a really great reset. After, and I don't want to say decadence, but just going out west and seeing people have everything or act like it sometimes, you're in these Jackson Holes and Tahoes and shit. I mean, every, one of those to- <laughs> Ugh. every one of those towns has a crusty little undercurrent of fuckheads. And I was part of that in Little Bend, Oregon. The coolest part was we got to go up to the city to see culture and things and stuff. Yeah. And not be limited to, like, dudes talking about mountain climbing or something who cares about even going outside if the hill's not good anywho 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Clever is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. A recent episode took Brad to Venice, where he connected with Eve Ubelman, a partner whose company, Econem, has developed a game-changing technique for creating digital architectural models so comprehensive they've been dubbed twins. During the relative quiet of the pandemic, even his team used drone-captured photography and powerful AI to create a full-scale digital twin of Venice, a city threatened by climate change and over-tourism. On Tools and Weapons, Eve tells Brad how he's using this incredible technology to help preserve some of the world's most endangered cultural heritage sites in pristine detail so they can be studied and appreciated for generations to come. To stay current on some of the most innovative people working with AI today, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, clever listeners, we're getting excited for New York Design Week in May. This year will be better than ever. ICFF, North America's leading platform for contemporary design, will take place from May 19th to the 21st at the Javits Center in New York City. I'll be there, and I'm excited to let you know how Clever is collaborating with ICFF for Launchpad at Wanted, formerly known as Wanted Design Manhattan, and the Emerging Designer Showcase. Launchpad is an international platform for emerging designers that introduces new concepts and showcases prototypes of furniture, home accessories, and lighting. It is the best place for manufacturers to meet new designers, discover fresh ideas, and potential products to develop. The best of Launchpad winners will be selected by a jury of renowned industry professionals, led by yours truly. And they will go on to be featured in another edition of the popular Emerging Designers Showcase. I'll be leading the Emerging Designers Showcase live on the Talks main stage, where the five Launchpad finalists will have a chance to present their projects to our esteemed panel of professionals. It's always a really good time. So mark your calendars for Sunday, May 19th at 4 p.m. 
both Launchpad and the Emerging Designer Showcase are presented with media partners Clever, that's us, and Design Milk, and with support from American Standard and Lumens. Visit icff.com to learn more and register to attend. Those are the letters icff.com. Come by and say hi. I would love to see you there. Support for Clever comes from Wix Studio. Instead of reading you another, let's be honest, boring ad script, Wix Studio just sent me this wild-looking Alice in Wonderland-themed website to scroll through and tell you about. So, whoa. This is not the web I'm used to. There's something called Mouse Parallax, which makes it feel like you can go deeper into the screen. And as I scroll down, it's like I'm falling down the rabbit hole. And things are moving in depth and perspective. Even my cursor has morphed into a glowing little orb. There are all these no-code animations that make this place feel organic and alive. And Alice is wearing some pretty cool shoes, by the way. Okay, I know I'm mixing up my narratives now, but we are definitely not in Kansas anymore. Your turn to go down the rabbit hole. Build your next web project on Wix Studio, the platform for agencies and enterprises. After art school and all this appreciation and this crusty little undercurrent of of fuckheads, it sounds like you are now crystallizing into a mix of sort of... um, appreciative of your background and also you know yeah. widening your eyes to what's possible that's what school did yeah people always say did you need to go because we've heard you say you absolutely needed to go contemporary issues contemporary things that you need to avoid Mm-hmm. we met the academics it's not a dirty word but to everybody out there who's 22 and going to grad school and you're 23 and 24, don't. Go teach for 10 years. Like Santiago Pieta Rafeta did. Santiago Pieta Rafeta, he was the sweetest guy. And he was good. And when we <laughs> got him, he was, I don't know, 35 years old. But he had war wounds. Okay. And there were other people, and I'm not going to name the names, but they were just professional teachers. Okay. And it was, they were throwing their weight around in the weirdest of ways. I wanted the guys who had to go, you know, this one woman, she dealt with big city New York bullshit for years. She knew how to handle us. That was worth its weight in gold. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of cynicism being around grad students who were just like, go out and hustle like everyone else. I was ready for that. So as much as I would love to go do that stuff, I just got to see all elements Mm -hmm. and I could not get out quick enough to go work. Okay. Not to change the world. To just make a living. Well, you I mean, you seem like you're one part hustler, at least. I want to make a living. I want to make my mom and dad proud. And I had to have a job. It's not even like, what a privilege to be like, how are you going to go use your design to change the world? Who the fuck thinks like that? Academics in a bubble at a $36,000 school. Go to the steel yard. There's no aesthetic there. Don't get cut. Don't grab that. Those signs were just as beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. So the idea that you were going down the line and culture to go work on some newspaper, what, what pretentious bullshit. I was ready to go do anything. I was lucky to get some jobs offered that were going to be working on whatever was cool in Minneapolis. But I took a snowboarding magazine job. Yeah. So you moved to Southern California. Oh, yeah. Bad, big mistake. Bad. <laughs> it's the, not your The beautiful there. people. No, everyone was nice. Oh, what there! This is all being filmed too. Thanks. 
just you're very expressive it's good well, who the fuck drives a car at 88 miles an hour cruise control everybody in their bmws like my car, i didn't i had a passat wagon i saved for and i went in and got my first real loan 460 dollars and 50 cents a month paid it for five years but at least that allowed me to go as fast as everybody down here and it just scared me i wasn't here for the beach who goes outside i was here for a magazine with a bunch of scrubby buddies it was they were the same guys i would have been on the hill with you know and it was awesome but i had to try that first before i went and did the cool job well, that was first, and then you went and worked for a studio, and then in 2004, yeah. you struck out on your own. Yeah. Now you're the captain. I got just enough of a taste um, you know, in the studio zone in an awesome place called Cinco Design in Portland, Oregon that's still kicking ass. Just enough of a taste. It's not anything on their part. I just found that I could make more money freelance than I could being a good little worker, and I try to be a good little worker, you know? Okay. Coming, in, coming in early, going, staying late. But I can make more money freelance. So yes, 2004, I got free. Whatever that means. I tripled how much I made. I tripled my workload. And I could sleep in until whenever I wanted. If I wanted to stay up till 6 in the morning, it was up to me. Right. What a freedom. What a privilege. What a... um, Scary. Well, yeah. I did it in a Midwestern way, though. I didn't just go jump ship. I saved 20 grand. Okay. Because that 20 grand I could have lived on for 10 years. Very practical. Well, I'm, I'm, that was pounded into me. Did it give you the freedom, too, to take the types of jobs that you wanted to take? I wouldn't. Or not until you had you. enough put away to... I took everything. You took how, everything. It how was, are you going to get ahead? scrappy, resourceful. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I learned through that compassion, compromise, how to be a good little constituent on the clock, off the clock, not fighting none of this adversarial shit i'm the designer you're the something you're the client uh i'm right you're wrong none of that shit get it out the door who are you designing for it's not for my portfolio it is for this paycheck Mm -hmm. people always say what's your favorite thing about graphic design those big fucking paychecks oh they're fun well i mean you design for the client and then you get it out the door and then it's done but field notes is a different story because you have ownership in that you are the empire emperor of field notes well uh, you know i would say i got lucky well okay maybe there's some luck involved well, snowboarding but and there skateboarding. had to be a clear decision oh yeah well skateboarding it taught me ownership yeah. to challenge stuff okay. so if i went to italy when i did with one of my clients and they took me through milan for an awesome day of seeing the highest of culture on their high street or whatever it was called you know, seriously, going to these Prada places, a sweater for 6000 bucks. you know, which way to the big and tall section, fellas? Shit like this. Just in, I don't know what that is in Italian. Just to mess with them. But that day I got a mountain of moleskins, 500 bucks worth. Took them home, never seen them before. Mm-hmm. Used them for a couple years. And then it was just kind of like this Van Gogh shit they're saying. It's, they're full of shit. It's marketing. It hurt. I just kind of felt betrayed. I really thought Van Gogh used a moleskin back in the day. No, it's something to sell books. So I was like, you know what? I can make these things on my own. That comes simply from like, we can make our own skateboards. We can make our own graphics. We can make our own band, our own record cover. I'm going to make my own little memo books and not have Hello Kitty on it. Or Bitch Soap. (laughs) Or ironic, fake, faux, industrial, shmim shmam with bad type. I can make my own bad type and have it feel authentic. That's all it was. And made my own. 2000 for 2000 bucks. Well, I want to know how ownership has changed your your paradigm. 
Oh, man. Well, first of all, you know, in every one of these, I have to say, you know, Jim Kudal, who is really, you know, den mother of this thing, who watches over all of us, and Michelle Seiler in Chicago and Brian Bedell, these are the people that make that thing awesome. I got lucky. I brought it to you know to Jim and said, "Hey, you know, take a pile of these." I was hand screen printing them. Okay. Just for the hell of it, because you can make two hundred in a night. I was hand screen because that's how we were trained to do it. It was scary for me to go and actually print them because then you're like taking up people's time, putting them in Jim's hands. It became a real thing. It became a company. It became, you know, there were some plans and things, a website, sales, distribution models, <sighs> yeah. So, it, in all honesty, I owe precisely my arm and a good chunk of the torso to Jim. Okay. You know, a fifth of this 666-pound gorilla body because he gave me a future, a company, a way, um, work, things, uh, uh, and also a polish. You know, those guys, are those names I was listing, I love them because they, you know, we have, the, that's what they, their main thing is now, you know? So we got to get you out of here pretty fast, but I definitely want to talk to you about your creative process. Let's go. Can you encapsulate it for us? Can you, like, how does the... I thought we were at 45 minutes. Who's cutting into my time? I've been waiting six months for this shit. I will, I will get this whole thing moving. You can say as long as you want. If you, I just think you got something else. So yeah. yeah, how do you prep the soil? How do you plant the seed? Nurture it into a full grown thing? Well, with every project that comes down the line, first things first, no money, let's talk. There's other ways to make a living than just getting some paycheck. The pompous quality of what I see is everyone thinks they should be ten grand an hour. That's just not how it works. You know, or every job should be that. I don't take work for that price. I don't do work that I don't get out of bed. For well, I don't than... well this yeah. kind of bull I mean, they say it. I don't work for things you know, uh, I don't work for a project that, that compromise my creative control. Okay. Starve then. <laughs> I just like the idea of like making the client super comfortable, mm-hmm. be it my buddy in a shitty heavy metal band or someone who's actually substantial and professional. I know I'm being a ham with you, but if you put me on a phone call and you were on the other end of that call guiding me, you would never know any of this stuff because that's something I was trained. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So how do you talk about that? Is that an act? No, it's called being a professional. Right. Now, no one's going to know that here because they see me and big and bullshittery and and you know whatever mm-hmm. you know unkept no 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 you know for creative process it's really if there's money on the table it's an italian saying the money's on the table it's time to work i know how to go and be professional have nice emails have research things stuff meetings about meetings emails about meals milestones targets bullshits budgets all that shit really but that is the one out of ten nine things i can look at my buddy steve carter and say i hate your face i hate <laughs> your f- i like your kid Steve, I hate you. I hate your project. I hate you. No, I love them even more because he's a punk rocker. Tattoos and switchblades and bullshits all over his skin and stuff. But that's I can make a living with stacking up nine of those mm-hmm. and, en- and enjoy my life. So I apply the exact same creative process to that. It just it comes with like a different sort of asterisk at the end. Got it. If I'm talking to you and you're professional, you would never know me that way. If I allow you to cuss first... That's how you do it. That's how you break the ice. And you start talking replacements and other Michigans and shit. If if it's Susan, the account manager, I will never breach any of that because it's up to her to be comfortable. I make her comfortable. You know what I mean? Yes. So these I are do. little funny it's, tactics of just like... It's relationships. First of all, she's never even going to meet me. 
Like, we're never going to sit across from each other like this. Not to mention, she may, may uh, hear my voice. It's only through emails. So, what <clears throat> business acumen, what, uh, uh, what are the judgery things she gets to judge me by? Hopefully, it's punctuation. It's saying thank you. It's using her first name in an appropriate way. It's old-fashioned bullshit. If there's nine people on the stupid multi-reply whatever... The ladies go first, and then the dudes go second. My dad taught me this stuff, and I have to put Michaela, McKenna, Mackenzie, Riley, <laughs> Ethan, and, and Carl. That's, I was trained that way. Yeah, I do that. I know it's kind of like persnickety, but every now and again, someone will say, "I just saw how you did that." Other guys just go like this: "Reply all, cool, no period." I think no it shows a level of respect and attention to detail that is a hallmark of professionalism. I just want them. If, I hope they like the logo in the end. Yes. That's what I'm making. But along the way, I love to defy the odds that a rapscallion like myself, <laughs> pirate sailing the high seas. By the way, if you guys knew how much shit I stole from Adobe in the 90s, <laughs> oh, there'd be a big bill. But we don't need to get into that. But, you know, <laughs> the idea that you can get away with that, because that is just as a really fun kind of fuckery that we get to hold close. So I appreciate that. People come, mm-hmm. and I hear a lot of this stuff. Draplin, I know what you really like. But the last three designers, they were terrible to work with. Yeah. Then I'm in. Okay. Let's go. You can come to my house, take your pants off, hang out, relax. I had guys come to my house. Pants off these days is a little iffy. You might well, want to... <laughs> remember, these are a bunch of stupid snowboarding dudes. Okay. They were comfortable. We didn't even have that at our at our cool big business jobs. No, you got to come to my basement and be comfortable. How cool is that? What a Do you ever have any like mental sludge or self-doubt that you have to work through? Daily. This okay. morning. I mean, who wants to work until 4 in the morning cuz you you're busy with 5,000 other things and then have to get up at 7 to meet Amanda? This is what I promised. So, yes, that's tough, but it's also an adrenaline fun day to go and feel bigger than you are and be freaked out and then to tell a kid, no, I was working till four last night. That is absolutely true. So, sludge. I like that you, it sounds like you embrace it rather than like cowering in fear. You're like, this is good, you know, maybe this is. I want to make a big goddamn paycheck. (laughs) I take care of my mom, my girl. Yeah. Oh, you ought to see my girl. What let's, a breath of fresh air. Let's talk about what, what, that. Let's talk about oh, your what home a, life. What's going on there? Oh, my God. This girl, she might have a vision problem. Well, <laughs> me to you, but she's my Aww. girl, Lee. She's just cool, and she's got her shit together. She's a raging, badass feminist who takes no shit from this muskox or really anyone. She's a mom. She has a 19-year-old boy who's a six foot five, beautiful kid who, realize, when he realizes how beautiful he is, ooh. Danger. Trouble. But still kind of a teenager. But um, she's just... Um, Sounds like you're, you've built a happy life for yourself. Oh, we've been together 10 years, 7 months, 4 weeks, 6 hours and 7 oh, minutes. I like I think seeing, maybe it's 8 minutes. I like seeing the oh, love you, love if you saw Draplin. her, the way she's looking at me, oh, just relax over the producers <laughs> staring in the window. Here's my... Who's next? Hish? <laughs> so I just... She's very patient with me. And I know I'm a pile of shit. But... She's cool. Tomorrow, you know, we do a, a crazy day of merch here. And the day after, she she turns 41. And she has a laundry list of shit we're going to go do. 
We're going to the Broad Museum. We're going to Clifton's to eat. We're going to this place to have a nightcap. I can't even get in because I dress like, you know, Cabela's Bargain Cave. She's going to wear a little something. I'm not even allowed in. We're going to this little place to overlook. She's got like nine things. It's her birthday. She's going to do what she wants. And she will curate that. So be Uber, Uber, Uber around town. We'll have, I mean, think of your life and how fast a day goes wherever you live, wherever I live. And then to have one day in L.A. just to go and just do nothing. That's what we're doing on her birthday. That'll be really fun. Tell her happy birthday for me. And you just had your birthday. Does that mean you guys same zodiac sign? I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't. We don't have to get into that. Eh, Libra Schmibra. Yeah, we are. We are. Is there anything that you are hell bent on manifesting in this lifetime? An experience, an adventure, an an outcome. Well, health. Health. Getting getting tinier. Being a responsible human. Who you know? Yeah, making the world output and input. Gotcha. You know how do you living, eating, breathing? You know bleeding like a like a stupid ass american everywhere you know i I think we can all get better with that um i would like to uh manifest a very swift impeachment of that piece of shit i'll put that one on the record if you don't mind don't mind um uh with a a very underline and a good futura extra bold um uh (laughs) we get an exclamation point i mean i i would love to see this is the funny part say i make a bunch of cash I can retire. And then what? Make logos still for my buddies? LGB, I'll be just as busy. I know yeah. that about myself. Or what? We're going to retire and go, like, hike and go outside? You know what I mean? Like, I don't... Like, Lee's always like, let's go to the beach. What? You get sand in the crack. I don't know if it's too hot. She <laughs> likes to go lay in the beach. I don't do that shit. So... I have a feeling you'll still have fun in retirement, though. Well, the idea good is... Good times don't avoid you. Well, to just be a good human being and love this stuff along the way if i'm 45 years old that's what 10 more years of really kicking ass or trying because i don't want to i don't want to be playing a uh, a 22 year old game when i'm 55 years old i can't be it's just it's just weird scary to me because i'll just say it i meet some guys who are like apologetic of their age and stuff it's like who gives a shit you are like seasoned crust i dig it the gray (laughs) and the lines and the things and you're you know, there's a guy here, and I can't really say his name, but it it, it it rhymes with Schmemphill. And he is just a very sweet guy. And just, he told me how old he was. Now I'm not going to name any names, but it was just really cool that he's that old and not that old. Oh, I've met some old people that have the most forward-thinking minds ever. So and I, they've got the wisdom. You put that with the forward-thinking, and then now you've got a magic combination. So I just want to be, you know, a fun middle-aged person want to live a nice long healthy life and then die hard at a good splat i don't know hazmat situation when i'm uh, <laughs> right. all this shit is bits you know this right it's <laughs> call, all been practiced all the crime scene cleaners now i'm on a real podcast but what about when you're talking to seven little rat kids in clemson you have seven <laughs> listeners like how many listeners do you guys have seven all right well listen do you have a recent project or an upcoming project that you want our listeners to know about Ooh, i have something that i can't talk about but I'll just say this much. Okay. It is a democratization of graphic design. It's something that everyone gets to use, and I can't talk about it until it comes out. Okay. When it does come out, um, it's going to be sweet. It's going to be sweet, and it'll be all over America, but I'm not allowed to say anything. I am beside myself because it's been a dream thing, but I can't talk about it. Okay. But something I can talk about. Can you talk about maybe when you can talk about it? Do you uh, know When it comes out. That's all uh, I can you do. Don't, okay. You know, like with records. But you don't know when that is? I don't. Okay. Because they're real weird about it. But okay. records, there's a schedule. 
the band hits this, the new Delines record from my friends Richmond Fontaine in Portland, their new little record called The Delines, that comes out I don't, a month or something. I could talk about that all day long. What incredible currency to work on that stuff for your friends. That's what yeah. I do in Portland. Yeah. Um, some of these bigger things. What are your dreams? Well, I hit them already, which was just being self-sufficient, making yeah. enough to take care of Lee, my mom, uh, my rat sisters, and then my, my little nephew, my terrible friend Dale. Okay, so I got it all covered. I got it all covered, and and I know these are dumb little sound bites and bits and stuff, and everyone else will be so much elegant and smart and all this saying, say cute things like I haven't had my coffee yet. I'm sorry, I'm so whatever the same shit here over and over again. That's been the goal. There's no accolades. There's no gold medals or you know whatever the fucks. Who cares? I like how indignant you get. I haven't had my coffee yet. You're gonna hear it. I hear it all day long. Listen, this has been really awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your your what do you, your crusty fuckery with us. Can we just keep it professional? Okay. Can we keep it? No, man. Off? I like your kind of professional. I just I just want to have fun. You know, if you're ever in Portland, you oh, come. Yeah. You know, not if you are. Next time you're there, we'll bring you by the shop, put you to work. I'm, I'm down. I am so down with Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. To learn more about Aaron and see images of his work, go to cleverpodcast.com. Or you can click the link in the details of this episode on your podcast app. And thanks again to Adobe Max and Airstream. Let's do this again. Next time I'll be there. Yes. <laughs> you can also subscribe to Clever on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're in the mood, please rate and review us. It really helps us connect with new listeners and share these stories. We also love chatting with you on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Clever Podcasts. Clever is created, produced, and hosted by us, Amy Devers and Jamie Derringer, a.k.a. 2VDE Media, with editing by Jenny Josephson and music by L1011. Clever is proudly distributed by Design Milk. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.